Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Wise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. It's a somber one today, I guess? It's a somber one today. And uh, because we're, we're back, we're back here at Camp Half-Blood, and we're, we're reading the Heroes of Olympus. Uh, this is... The, uh, fuck this, actually. I'm starting over. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. everybody welcome back to another episode of unwise girls i'm your host jacqueline and i'm your other host jane <laughs> jane why are you talking <laughs> so scarily I'm, I'm trying to match the energy that we've got going on here we're reading we're reading heroes of olympus it has an omega symbol on the back of it so i assume that means that the, this book series will be the end of everything so it's very serious <laughs> i mean it's definitely a darker and grittier take uh kind of yeah, I mean, the the 22-year-old man in the Camp Half-Blood shirt on the cover of this one has a very serious expression on his face. Oh, God. Uh, did I already say that we're your podcast all about your favorite <laughs> books? Wait, no, we're your favorite podcast all about the books of Rick Riordan? I don't think you did. So okay. You, you got it now. You're good. Okay. Um, and and we're, we're starting the Heroes of Olympus series today. We're finally in it. We took a... We took took t- took a few weeks between the the last book series and this one. Did some silly stuff. You saw it on the feed. You hopefully listened to it. But but now we're back back at Camp Half Blood with the Lost Hero. We've we finally returned after uh, several months in stinky stinky Brooklyn house. Yeah, does Camp Half Blood smell good? I feel like it would have to because it's got like all those nice uh, big strawberry fields and shit. That's oh oh yeah, that's really true. I would love to live by a strawberry field. That sounds so nice. That sounds very nice, unless the strawberries start like rotting. Yeah. Uh... Do you think that happened during like the Titan War? Because there were like no campers and no time to pick the strawberries, so they would just like rot in the field. Probably. I mean, would it really smell so bad? It's just it's just rotting plants. Rotting plants don't smell that bad, do they? I rotting plants probably not, but strawberries are full of like so much sugar and shit that they would be just full of awful germs they would smell bad yeah i guess that's true uh but anyway uh we're we're we're, we're here uh <laughs> i i i forget i almost it's, it's been so long i kind of forget how to talk about books <laughs> yeah we we abandoned reading books for almost half a month uh-huh and this is this is where we've ended up God, yeah, I know my brain is scattered. I just want to like sing a song or something, or like <laughs> I don't know. But, but honestly, I I feel prepared. Do you feel prepared? Uh, I feel pretty prepared to embark on this fucking year-long endeavor. Oh God, yeah. Uh, I should say this just going into this. This is gonna be a year of our lives. There's just no other way to properly pace this. Yeah, uh, I I was posting on the Twitter about just like the size of these fucking books. This series is uh, about 1.3 barbatoses long. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a Gundam for all you all you all you Gundam knowers. <laughs> Listen, I had I had him to hand and he was good for scale. Mm-hmm. But I think I think we're prepared. Are you ready for the summaries? I am prepared for these summaries. Alright, let me jump right in. With chapter one. Jason. 
A boy named Jason wakes up on a bus traveling toward the Grand Canyon, and he's got amnesia. It seems like he's on a field trip with his class at the Wilderness School, a boarding school for bad kids. On the trip as well are Piper McLean, an apparently kleptomaniacal Cherokee girl who claims to be Jason's girlfriend, and Leo Valdez, a hyperactive Latino boy who likes to tinker and claims to be Jason's best friend. Eventually, they get to their destination, where their teacher coach, Hedge, has them split into groups. As they go through the museum, Jason notices Piper getting racist abuse hurled at her by some popular girls, but Leo stops him from intervening. Eventually, they reach the canyon itself, where a storm is gathering directly overhead. Jason's completely confused, and he's starting to grow increasingly suspicious of if he's actually got any history with these people, so he goes to confront Coach Hedge, who ends up admitting he's never seen Jason before in his life, he's just there to protect some demigods while they wait for an extraction team, and Jason smells like he's one too. All these words cause Jason's brain to roil, and that's when the storm intensifies, and the skywalk above the Grand Canyon begins to shudder under their feet. Chapter 2. Jason Jason, Coach Hedge, Piper, Leo, and Piper's group partner Dylan are trapped on the skywalk, but Dylan isn't too concerned because he's actually an evil wind spirit, a Ventus, there with some other Venti to kill the Half-Bloods for his mysterious mistress. While Coach Hedge saves Leo from falling, Jason and Piper try to fight. Dylan strikes Jason with lightning, but somehow he survives just fine, and out of instinct, he takes a gold coin from his pocket and flips it, turning it into a golden blade. He uses it to kill all the Ventai but Dylan, who ends up flying away with Coach Hedge, who would let himself be abducted in their place. The skies aren't clear yet, though, because it's then that the Pegasus Riding Extraction Squad arrives. Two teenagers in orange camp t-shirts. One, a muscled son of Iris named Butch. Second, Annabeth daughter of Athena, and she's not happy to see them, because she came here hoping to find a missing camper, her boyfriend, Percy Jackson. Chapter 3. Piper On the way to Camp Half-Blood, Piper is deeply distraught. She's been having bad dream visions, and to top it off, her boyfriend doesn't even remember her. It only gets worse when the Ventai pursuing them shoot them out of the sky. Luckily, they land in Camp Half-Blood Lake, where some naiads can just toss them out of the water. Safely on shore, a few more campers come to see them, including the snooty mean girl Drew Tanaka, head counselor of the Aphrodite cabin, who Piper almost immediately gets into a fight with before Annabeth breaks it up. Before they can tour camp, Leo gets claimed by Hephaestus and gets pulled away to see his new cabin. Annabeth is weirded out by Jason continually using Roman terms for things, so she investigates him and finds he has a branded-in tattoo on his arm of a dozen straight lines and an eagle with the letters SPQR. Nobody really knows what that means, so Drew takes him to Chiron, leaving Annabeth to give Piper the camp tour. Chapter 4. Piper Annabeth gives Piper the world's most half-hearted tour of Camp Half-Blood. Piper isn't particularly surprised about being a demigod because it tracks with her family life, and besides, the voices in her dreams called her a demigod too, while also telling her that if she didn't cooperate with them, her dad would die. Annabeth says she should be claimed soon enough, and gets her to open up by bonding about being a bad kid. Piper explains she never actually steals things. She asks, people give, and then later they get mad. Then, it's boyfriend talk time. Annabeth says that Percy's been missing for over three days, and Piper realizes the timing lines up with her dream. Annabeth also breaks the bad news to Piper about the mist creating her memories of Jason, culminating Piper breaking down when she realizes she doesn't even know his last name. 
After a bit of comforting, they go to a shed full of weapons so Piper can get armed, and she ends up choosing a cursed dagger named Catoptris, meaning mirror, that used to belong to Helen of Troy. In its reflection, she sees a vision of her father tied up in front of a fire, so she convinces Annabeth to let her use a contraband phone to call her dad's office, where the secretary says he hasn't been in for a few days. After the phone call, Annabeth says Piper's last name is familiar, but Piper tries to downplay where dad is by leaving his description at Cherokee Artist and hoping Annabeth's assumptions do the rest. In the final step of the tour, they visit the recently expanded cabins, but the only one Piper is drawn to is Hera Cabin. It should be empty, but there's a footprint. Inside is one Rachel Elizabeth Dare, Camp Oracle, who came here because Hera is the only god anyone has heard from in the last month. Communication has been cut off, Dionysus has been recalled, and Olympus has been shut down. The message Hera had sent was that Annabeth would be able to find Percy if she went to the Grand Canyon and found a boy with one shoe, which ended up being Jason. Piper almost confesses her about her own dream stuff to them, but before she can, Rachel grabs her by the shoulders and goes oracle mode. The prophecy seems a bit different than normal. Goes as such. Free me, Piper McLean, or the earth shall swallow us. It must be by the solstice. Our enemies stir. The fiery one is only the first. Bow to his will, and their king shall rise, dooming us all. Promptly after, Piper faints. So, Jane, what did you think of the first ha- chapters of The Lost Hero? Uh, it's good to be back, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed these. Same. I'm like, there's, there's so, so many things in here that I'm probably enjoying only, like, because of relativity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh my god, the book is being written from a multi-character third-person perspective. It's not a fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things, but I kind of want to talk about that, like, meta-narrative... Sorry, the meta layer of the narrative here. Mm-hmm. Because we're getting three points of view, and there's no, like, weird justifications happening. There's no, like, oh, well, it's happening because of this. Holy fucking Luya. Uh-huh. And also, uh, there's another thing that's been discarded other than framing devices that Percy Jackson also had. Oh? No more chapter titles. Yeah, I I honestly, I didn't notice that right up until you started doing the summaries. And then I was like, wait, what's the funny chapter title? Yeah, it's, it kind of like, it has an effect because it makes, it, it, it feels like we're not going in with some expectation of what the chapter is going to be. And we're not like, I don't know, lightened by the humor of any of it. It's, it kind of, this kind of does feel like it's going to be like a slightly darker or more serious tone series than Percy Jackson was. Yeah, I these these chapters are good. They're not heavy on the comedy, I would say. There's a couple no. of jokes, but I mean even the the satyr that shows up, he doesn't do a lot of buying, then he fucking dies. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> Coach Hedge is I I don't know. I was like, okay, so we've got some asshole here. Obviously he's a satyr because his name is Coach Hedge. <laughs> uh, but like he the goatee like, was what made me twig that it was. Uh huh. They all got fucking goatees. Uh, he's a fucking hero, though. Is actually the truth of it. Yeah. Like, oh man, yeah. I I super enjoyed these as well. There's there's a lot to say here. I like I I I feel like I'm gonna t- be talking about these forever. This is just like there's something very different also about Jason 
uh, as like sort of the amnesiac quote-unquote main character at least the first main character that we get to see the world through mm-hmm. um it, it it feels like good dropping into his perspective in a weird way because like it feel it makes it feel really like a like a proper i guess season two in a sense like everything feels fresh but like different like it, it's it feels like the world we already know but through a different point of view i guess yeah, I, this this is the other thing that I was saying about like enjoying things because of enjoying them relative to other things. Because I was messaging Jacqueline about this, is that because I have to do a lot of editing stuff. Uh, a lot of the time, I'm reading stuff that tries to kind of emulate the kind of YA Rick Riordan style and fucks it up. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But this just kind of it drops you into Jason's perspective and it just effortlessly, effortlessly gives you like, okay, here's Jason. He doesn't remember why he's here. Here's a couple of characters. Here's the bus. This is all established in like half a page. Uh, let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. It really works to set the tone, to set the the mood, to bring us back to this world, and I really appreciate it. Also, I'm really glad that Jason isn't our only perspective, though, because so far he's not the world's most interesting character. I mean, yeah, he doesn't remember any of like the interesting things about himself. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's some intriguing details. Like, oh, what's up with that tattoo? Why do you have a weird gold coin? Like, an awesome weird gold coin that the, changes the into the a fucking sword. The coin is so fucking cool. It's so cool. Flip a coin and it turns into a sword. That's, like, that's such a fun visual. Exactly. But, like, personality-wise, he doesn't have so much yet. But that, mm. that's that's forgivable because Piper and Leo have a lot of personality, for sure. Yeah, Definitely. I think actually it's it's kind of weird that we've been ragging on Rick for being like seemingly very uncomfortable with doing like multiple perspectives up to now. And then he does it and he's kind of nailing like getting the most out of that cuz every every character has like some shit that they know that nobody else knows and that mm-hmm. makes it valuable to see things from their perspective immediately. Yeah, exactly. It's um we haven't covered like the Leo chapters yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of by virtue of like it's two chapters at a time, uh, we're covering four chapters an episode, so the per- perspective will end up being like kind of rotating in that way. But I'm excited to see what like Leo is like as his perspective character as well. Yeah, he's very much the the funny quippy one so far. But I'm interested to see if there's more to him than that. Same, same. And it's interesting because it drops you in, and it kind of feels like oh, these characters have pre-established relationships already. But then it kind of turns that on its head because I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Like, it's cool that we have these characters who are obviously going to be our main group and they all, you know, know each other already. They have this mm-hmm. history. But it turns out, no, they don't. It turns out that um, once again, weird magic bullshit has robbed one of our main characters of a significant other. Uh-huh. Because uh, Piper believes that Jason is her boyfriend but there actually seems to be some kind of weird memory invention by the mist. Uh, yeah. Because Jason has just fucking met her today. Yeah, exactly. Like, the the moment where Piper realizes that she doesn't even know his last name is, like, very effective. Oh, definitely. I felt really bad for her. And because Piper is having, like, the world's most horrible, most terrible, very bad day, honestly. Oh, absolutely. She has been... Uh, flirted with by an asshole, racially abused, kicked off a cliff, 
blacked out while from the g-forces of a chariot dragging her around her dad has been taken hostage she almost passed out in a shed it's all going very badly for her yeah um also i don't know like i know obviously they're all three the main character but piper does very much feel like the main character so far yeah she's definitely well we haven't read any of leo shit yet jason isn't terribly interesting so she's kind of the default to latch on to is like she has this weird hidden agenda already which makes her very interesting yeah and it's good that we have a character with a hidden agenda um like in this multi-perspective thing because it gives us like interesting like because if you have two characters with the exact same set of goals and like opinions or that kind of thing um or the same general motives perhaps a a brother or sister who are just kind of working towards the same goals right and showing showing very similar events from their same perspective or like passing the perspective back and forth there'd be some benefit of course but there's even more benefit to like getting to see these characters with different mode with like very different motives and perspectives Mm -hmm. uh get to view things through the same lens and get to like see their different takes on things and how they are viewing conflicts in different ways i'm just very excited for this i guess yeah definitely i'm also just excited to like be around camp half-blood again because i i was kind of worried that it would just after um last olympian in any kind of sequel series that just kind of hit the reset button yeah and camp half-blood would just kind of be like back to how it was in the early percy jackson books but there is still, like, very clear signs of the fallout of the events of that book here. Like, the new cabins are uh, being put up. There's like, way more demigods than ever, so the camp's actually getting really crowded. Yeah, we learn that people are being claimed at 13 now, which is, mm-hmm. like, like everyone is getting claimed at 13, so which makes it kind of like, why are, why are these kids only now being claimed? Yeah. Any, any early predictions on some godly parents? Um, the problem is I remember all of this. <laughs> okay, I see. Uh-huh. I, rem- I remember most of this series pretty well. Uh, so I- I'm going to turn that back around and ask you instead. Uh, I think Gaia is, um, what's her face? Piper's mother. Gaia? Interesting. Yeah. Why Gaia? Well, uh, because well, uh, Piper mentions that she doesn't really feel a connection with any of the gods, uh, who have cabins at Camp Half-Blood. I don't think Gaia has a cabin, and also there's some stuff in the prophecy about freeing someone from the Earth or something. It's really interesting, actually. So that's that's the the very vague reasons that for that. What about Jason? Uh, Jason, fuck if I know. There's I mean, not really anything defining about him at the minute. I mean, that's the thing. But we do. He does have some weird superpowers that we know of. Oh, I guess he can fly. We can fly, and he also. I mean, I feel like this one, if I say it, maybe it'll be... He's also, like, very impervious to specific types of damage. I feel like I should be getting something from that, but I'm not. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We, we can move <laughs> on. You'll 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 feel silly later. Okay. Uh, uh, you say invulnerable, and immediately I just think, like, river sticks. And I'm like, that's probably not it, right? Maybe he's been dipped in the river sticks. Who knows? It's a whole new world. I guess Percy could fly when he was put in the river sticks a little bit. A little bit. He was, bit. like, flying around for his anime duel with Hyperion in Last Olympian. Oh, yeah. Uh, do we want to... Before we continue in the books proper, do we want to maybe shut the books and look at what lies outside of them? Uh, we can, sure. 
Uh, do we want to talk covers? Oh boy, here we go. I feel like we we stopped talking about the covers during Kane Chronicles. Mainly because I'd bought that stupid fucking like thing on my Kindle, which was all of them in one. <laughs> I didn't get any covers apart from the CGI Dog Man. Oh yeah, I don't know if we did talk about them for the most part. Like maybe I feel like maybe we did Throne of Fire, but I don't remember us doing fucking what's it called the the Serpent Shadow. Legitimately, I don't know what the cover for that book looks like off the top of my head. I'm... Well, and we'll never know. Tell us about your your version of the Lost Hero cover. So, as I've alluded to already, uh, the Lost Hero cover features... The top of the cover is actually really good. It is a gigantic mechanical dragon breathing fire over New York City while there's, like, lightning striking around it. I think it might be the mechanical dragon from, um... Uh... Uh... What's... Camp Half-Blood Chronicles, whatever the fuck it was. Oh, yeah. Demigod Files. Interesting. The, uh... Big robot one that uh, Charles Beckendorf fixed up. So that stuff's all good. Uh, and then underneath that, like I mentioned, we have a 22-year-old man in an orange t-shirt, a sleeveless denim jacket, uh, and a big CGI spear in his hand, just kind of jumping and swinging it at nothing. God. Yeah, this is definitely just a fully adult man, huh? Uh, is this supposed to be like Jason? <laughs> I, uh... I don't know. I guess it could be someone else. I guess so. Because the, the, the rest of the cast has been aged up. Right. Right. I guess it could Maybe be like, Percy. Could be Percy getting fucking struck by lightning. Oh, no, I... no, wait, it won't be Jason because Jason's got a sword, right? He does have a sword. He's got his, he's got his coin sword, so it's not him. I also like, uh, in between the Rick, the big Rick Riordan name, uh, there's there's the words epic, he- like it's Rick, epic heroes, legendary adventures <laughs> Riordan. I bet he would change his name to that if he could. Probably. Uh, I wanna I wanna discuss uh, a cover that I actually is to me worse than maybe it's not worse, but it's almost as bad. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, it's not it's not my cover. My cover is good. Uh, but but here's this one. Uh, I don't know which edition this what is from. The fuck. <laughs> but it's it's also just like a a live action human being and a like an orange t-shirt falling it's got the bronze dragon still um and just kind of falling and so the banner the banner top says return to percy jackson's world this this looks like the um i don't know if it's the same people that made it but it looks very similar to the way that the cgi dogman cover was made oh it does like the the very low poly cgi thing there's even the same kind of like weird white border around the live action person that they put in. Right. So I, I would I put my money on it being the same people for those covers. I, I bet so. Uh, but now let's review, and of course we'll put these all up on the Twitter. Uh, uh-huh. Now let's review the one that I have, the one I had as a kid. Oh, this is bullshit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so this one features... Um, I believe it's our it's our three main characters uh, riding atop that 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 self same bronze dragon from the other covers, with like a I don't know if it's like a decrepit castle or manor or something in the background. I reckon it's Brooklyn House. That'd be so fucking good if it was Brooklyn House. <laughs> Although I don't. It's a big it's a big house. Uh huh. Uh, and it's it's pretty simple. Other than that, nothing much. But it's just like got it got our three characters. They're all. It's also got the other thing that I always like about the American, like, Ryden verse book covers. 
which is like the the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. It was just like the Lightning Thief, the Titan's Curse, and this one has just got like the Lost Hero in big letters and Heroes of Olympus really small. Uh-huh. Whereas on my fucking copy, Heroes of Olympus is bigger than the Lost Hero. God, it's like no, give the give the title some, some room to breathe, please. Please, uh, I also really I really like like the cartoony sort of like styles that the characters are drawn in. Mm-hmm. Jason is just sort of looking at me. It's kind of horrifying. I oh my god, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's like he's judging me while I'm podcasting about him. It's like really, this is what you're doing. You're talking about this children's book series on a podcast. You're 23 years old. Get a, get a fucking job. <laughs> oh, and there's like a there's like a very subtle like rainbow in the background. Oh yeah, oh, it's really good. This cover. Oh, this is so much better. What the fuck. <laughs> Uh, and you you got a whole box out of those covers. Yeah, I can't even do what I uh, did with the Percy Jackson books and just eventually start buying the American ones because they look nicer. Because I found uh, just like a complete Heroes of Olympus collection in a bookshop for fifteen quid, so I just grabbed a lot. God, poor Jane. <laughs> uh, should we get back to the the actual the in chapter content though? Of course, the cover doesn't matter except for this cover, which is shit. Exactly. Uh, I wanted to talk about. Um, Something that I feel like Rick's really improved on since uh, Sea of Monsters, actually. What's that? Because uh, the the way that Tyson was bullied at the start of that book, like, the the way that that was portrayed was kind of like, it was making us tug at our collars from, like, this seems kind of misguided from an authorial perspective. Yeah. Uh, and the, the way that Piper is being bullied, you know, it's still fucking awful and horrible to read. Yeah. But it doesn't have that same feeling of like, Rick, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you sure you know what you're talking about here? It, it feels like he's gotten the the balance of like making it horrible without making us uncomfortable with the narration, I guess. Right. And obviously there's value in making the reader uncomfortable with the narration sometimes. Oh, no. I mean, I mean more from a sense of like the author is doing something misguided. No, exactly. Exactly. Oh, uh, and I... I, I do appreciate, like, I don't know. I think Piper, it, it's cool that she's, like, Cherokee. Uh, and I part of me is, like, worrying. Like, is the only way that Rick Riordan knows how to characterize a character not being white to talk about, like, people being racist at them? I mean, we got a bit of that with Carter and Red Pyramid, but, like, after that, it barely ever came up that he was black. Exactly. So, hmm because like i don't know obviously living in the united states uh if you're like a person of color that's like racism something you're gonna experience probably but like i don't know it it does sometimes feel like when you're writing characters who aren't white and like the, the sum total of like i guess the connected experiences that you offer is just like racism then it feels i don't know yeah, I guess we'll just kind of have to see where Piper ends up. Yeah, and Leo, t- Leo too. It could, mm-hmm, it could just be a case of like, you know, Rick wants to set out his stall at the start and say he's not going to shy away from talking about this stuff. Anyway, here's, here's some more um, in-depth character stuff. Yeah, it's very possible. That's what I'm hoping is the case. Yeah, Piper Piper gets in like, almost gets in two fights uh, during this thing, and both times she's like mm-hmm. separated from fighting. Uh, she just like because it happens one time with um with Drew Tanaka, and I think it happens the time before with uh the, these just like racist girls, and 
she's she's like separated before she can fight both times uh i don't know it's an interesting piece of characterization that she does like like leo pulls back on jason is like she wants she likes to fight her own battles and she does seem very fighty i guess mm-hmm. in like a, a reasonable way oh yeah definitely she would be 100 percent justified in breaking drew's nose yeah should we talk about drew we should talk about drew Mainly because uh, we've talked about Drew before. Yeah, we have talked about Drew before. Um, because Drew showed up at the end of... Uh, not well, At the beginning of The Serpent's Shadow, near the end of the mm-hmm. Kane Chronicles series. And I've got to say, I don't think many of our concerns about what her character meant have been assuaged. No, not in the slightest. She is... The way that she is framed is like the snooty the snooty rich girl she's the mean girl she's you know popular and pretty that kind of thing um and it's very much like the exact stereotype that like i guess you would like envision with aphrodite cabin or whatever the exact like really blatant stereotype that we said during serpent shadow was like oh it's just because it's a cameo that she comes across like that no, that seems to be just, like, what she's like. Yeah, and obviously she's, like, a character in the series. Hopefully she'll get more depth. M- mm-hmm. Maybe she'll be our Clarice by the end. Fingers crossed. But for now, she does just seem pretty surface level in a way that isn't particularly interesting. Although I will say, I, I appreciate that, like, while all that stuff is there, uh, Annabeth at least is not uh, forgetting that uh, Aphrodite's last counselor uh, fucking ruled. God, yeah. <laughs> Because she does mention that uh, Silena Beauregard was the best character in the last book. She really was, man. <laughs> uh, hmm. The action is a bit better, I think, than it was in a lot of uh, like the Kane Chronicles. This, uh, I, this is going back to what I was fucking saying. There were way too many rules in Kane Chronicles to keep the action pacey. Uh huh. Whereas in this, you just you get a coin, you flip it. It's a sword. You hit things with it. Honestly, that carries so much. <laughs> and the action scenes aren't particularly prolonged like mm-hmm. most of chapter two is one but it also goes by so quick uh and is more about like showing the mysterious bits of these characters and mm-hmm. there's a little bit of action with chapter three with like the ventai chasing them uh across the sky but that's that's also like pretty quick uh and so i'm i'm then not they crash in a fucking lake uh-huh uh i i like the image presented here of like a bunch of campers coming forward with like a giant was like a giant hair blower or something to dry them off all i could fucking think of when um piper was talking about that was the leaf blowers with the toilet rolls on them from the percy jackson musical oh god yeah they just have those they... <laughs> <laughs> it's canon maybe that's where they got the idea that'd be so good the the, the densest chapter here is chapter four there's a lot going on in chapter four. You you were suffering while you were trying to summarize a that little shit. bit, a little bit. Uh, I I tried to be as brief as possible, and it still was twice as long as all the other summaries. <laughs> so let's let's go over a little bit of this. This is the camp tour, and uh, what do we want to cover first? Percy's missing. Percy is fucking gone. I I feel especially bad for uh, anybody who got the second cover we looked at. Which says, return to Percy Jackson's world on it. Yeah, well, you can't. Uh Uh-huh, you're returning to a world without Percy Jackson, apparently. I think it's pretty, it's pretty 
gripping, I guess, to start the second series with, hey, you know that main character you really enjoyed from the first one who was pretty awesome? Uh, he's not here anymore. And it's also, like, it's it's kind of something that you have to do to make sure that there is, like, some kind of conflict or threat, is take the dude who's fucking immortal off the board. Yeah, he is, that's, that's important, is that he is functionally invulnerable, except for, like, what was it, like, a, his, under his armpit? The small of his back. Okay. No, under his armpit was Luke, wasn't it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense. It, it makes for a more interesting, like, mystery, I guess. Speaking of mysteries, there's also, like, what's up with her dad? Her dad is a strange creature. Uh, it seems like we're kind of doing the Rachel Elizabeth Dare thing again. Mm-hmm. Where the character uh, is secretly, like, mega rich. Uh, I'm I'm ho- really hoping that she turns out to be like the corporate rival of uh, Rachel Elizabeth Dare's family. Oh, that'd be fun. I just think that would be funny. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah, it seems like I I agree. She seems like mega rich. Um, like there's something's going on with her dad. Uh, his secretary is named Jane, so I like that little shout out Rick did for us. <laughs> Thanks. I can't wait to find out which character is named Jacqueline. I'd be so... If there never is one, I'll be sad. It would be a true tragedy, actually. Should I look it up on the Campbell wiki to see if there is one, or am I going to get, like, Jacqueline is the character who murders Percy in the last book in the Heroes of Olympus series? You'll probably get that. Yeah, I'll, I won't look it up. Uh, and just, like, continuing the mysteries, the gods are no longer talking to us. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, because, I mean, apart from anything else, that might be a good thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fuck the gods. The gods weren't exactly the most communicative uh, before, but now it seems mm. like they just, like... F- but I think the idea of them just, like, hey, you won't hear from us for a month, not even announcing that, but that's just suddenly happening, it is kind of disconcerting because, like, there were all these connections and attempts at, like, I guess repairing those types of relationships near the end of the series. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's worrying because, like, even during the worst of the Kronos shit, the gods never closed ranks like this. Like, they dragged Dionysus back up to Olympus and everything. Yeah, it makes it makes it feel like there's some extreme threat coming. I wonder if Hades uh, ended up going back there as well. Maybe, maybe. Or if he's not invited because he's not an Olympian. <laughs> That'd be so, what if all the gods are there? That'd be interesting, like... Uh, we mm-hmm. were seeing that there is the expanded role for the, like the minor gods within the world now. Uh, part of that is like the cabins are being built, and we see right off like the very first Camp Half Blood person we see is Butch, a son of Iris. Yeah, they're apparently getting a bit better treatment now. Uh-huh. I Butch is fascinating. Really, I find Butch incredibly boring so far. No, I exactly. I guess that's why I mean he's fascinating. I mean that sort of sarcastically. He's he's pretty like he's pretty much just a vehicle for Leo to make gay jokes at him. What if a guy was big and burly, but uh, his power was involved ponies and rainbows? Wouldn't that be funny? It would be so fucking funny. Uh, and it's it's pretty much just that. It's not especially interesting. And eh, like I'm sure maybe later on we'll be like, oh Butch, he's so cool. But for, even his fucking name is Butch. Like, come on. Yeah, like, what the fuck do you want from us? Uh, the other camper we get is Will is Will Solace, who we see for just a brief moment being pissed off at Annabeth breaking his chariot. But uh, there's not there's not a lot for him. I'm not saying that we need to see her immediately. But where is Clarice? 
where is Clarice? She's probably off on some Clarice is not on screen. I'm asking where is Clarice? Exactly. Maybe she's on the Percy, the Percy retrieval squad trying to find where he is. Yeah, I guess she might be. She would just be in a different part of the Grand Canyon looking for a guy with one shoe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like they both got messages from Hera but didn't tell each other. Or even they got the... <laughs> They're just both checking the Grand Canyon because she just said Grand Canyon. She didn't say go to the tourist center. That's true. That's true. She's down there. She's she's <laughs> in the canyon. <laughs> Everything happening in the Grand Canyon freaks me the fuck out. I looked up the like skywalk oh. they're on and it's so scary. Oh yeah, it's like the big like glass bottom balcony, right? Yeah, it's like shaped like a horseshoe, so it's not even like full. Like there's there's a hole behind you and a hole in front of you, and that hole will kill you if you fall into it. <laughs> Uh, so it's when it starts shuddering, it's definitely a fucking frightening sight. The Grand Canyon, or as I like to call it, the big hole. And we see, uh, we see Rachel again. We see Rachel again. We see that she's not in her gamer pad, as as predicted. I can't. I, I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see inside the gamer pad. Same. We see her in uh, Hera cabin instead. I really like a description here of like. I think something that is often like represented by Piper here. People forget that Greek statues weren't just, like, originally not painted. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of double negatives. People forget they were painted originally. Uh, and so when she sees this, like, beautifully painted, like, ridiculously realistic statue of Hera, she's, like, struck by it. Even before she notices the weird girl in the hood doing weird oracle stuff by it. You know what? I hadn't even twigged that. But yeah, thank you, Rick, for doing your fucking research on that. Yeah, exactly. And Rachel has has a, a prophecy. This is a weird prophecy. It's got it hasn't got a rhyme scheme. It just seems like this is weird. Yeah, it doesn't seem normal. It seems like there is like something wrong. Should we should we do our prophecy prediction corner? Yeah, I think it's time for prophecy prediction corner. Do you want to go line by line here? Sure. Oh, I, it, we can't even totally go line by line because it's just in dialogue now. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll do sentence by sentence. So, right. free me, Piper McLean. Who is me? Is this the Oracle? Yeah, because it mentions, like, it sounded like an older woman speaking from somewhere far away. Uh-huh. So it kind of almost seems like um, Rachel's getting possessed by someone other than the Oracle. Right, because that's not usually how the Oracle is described. Yeah, she's just, like, very raspy. Mm-hmm. And usually gets up in your face to smell all the, like, rotting meat on her. So, and, uh, or the earth shall swallow us. See, this is, the Earth stuff is why I'm thinking, like, could this be something to do with Gaia? Right, like, is Gaia the one who wants to be freed? What's happening? Is uh-huh. is Gaia the one doing the swallowing? Um, it must hey. be by the, what's up? Nothing. Oh, sorry. I was, I was simply make, making a dumbass remark at your innuendo. I see. Uh, <laughs> I did not do that on purpose, but... <laughs> uh, it must be by the solstice pretty straightforward time limit I've written fuck off next to that <laughs> uh, our enemies stir uh, okay. our enemies are fucking solstice time limits in Rick Riordan books god yeah find a second method of creating tension please how many have we had by now like four or five uh, let's see all three of the Kane Chronicles had one was it all three I don't know if mm-hmm. was it a solstice each time it was a solstice every time because it was like uh, the solstice was when uh, Set would destroy America. Then it was a solstice where Apophis would come back, and then a solstice where you destroy the world. Right, right, okay. So in every King Chronicles book, we had one. God, uh, it was it was the solstice at least twice in Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like it was the solstice in Lightning Thief. 
Uh, it wasn't the Solstice and Sea of Monsters. Sea of Monsters, it was just Grove is going to fucking die. Titan's Curse. Maybe uh, that was think... the Solstice? Hmm. No, I think that was just the rebuilding of Mount whatever, Orthus. Right, right. Battle uh, of Labyrinth. don't think so. Yeah. Last Olympian. That, that had the Solstice, right? Did it? I don't know. At least four. We're up to five now. That's too many. Stop it. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, the fiery one is only the first. Uh, fuck, I wish I had my copy of Last Olympian here, because, um, I remember there was, uh, something about a fiery one mentioned in Rachel's Last Prophecy in Last Olympian. Oh, uh, I can go and double check that for you. Ooh, please. So, here's the prophecy that happened at the end of, um, the... the Seven half-bloods shall answer the call. To storm or fire, the world must fall. An oath to keep with a final breath, and foes bear arms to the doors of death. Oh, I guess that wasn't the fire you want to mention in that. That was just but fire. But very well could be the same fire. It very well could be. I uh, no idea who it's talking about, though. No, not a fucking clue. If I had to throw darts at a board, I would say probably these three, plus Percy Annabeth, um... Maybe Butch and Drew as well. I don't fucking know. Anyway, Over sorry. who the seven are? Yeah. That's not a bad guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know who... So, bow to his will and their king shall rise, dooming us all. I don't know who that, who any of that refers to, but it sounds sounds bad. Uh, I reckon, because she's grabbing Piper specifically and saying this, uh, his will is probably whoever's kidnapped her dad and is blackmailing her. Right. So, whoever is For possessing so- Rachel is like, don't fucking listen to them. Mm-hmm. I, I really wonder because yeah this is definitely not a traditional oracle prophecy uh, so hopefully we mm-hmm. find out what's going on here Leo gets claimed almost immediately which is funny he of course like of course he's the son of Hephaestus it's really obvious it's very obvious I what I feel like the implication here is that the gods have been kind of cheating with their um, you have to claim them all by 13 thing and as soon as some of the demigods who are older than that are brought to camp half-blood they're like Fuck. Someone's gonna notice. <laughs> I gotta claim him now. Okay, yeah. So that's that makes a lot of sense, actually. Like, oh, there are so many of them, they'll never be able to, like, know that we didn't count some of them. <laughs> that's such a perfect, like, shitty parent move. Hephaestus was spending that day beating his meat to Ares and Aphrodite. God. <laughs> God, yeah. Oh, it's been so long since we got to talk about that, but it's so important. Oh, um... Sorry, this is not like a major thing, but I just really love that um, they have Helen of Troy's dagger in their fucking shed. Oh, yeah. It's just a garden shed and they have this invaluable historical artifact in there. No, it's hilarious. Like, they're basically like, oh, yeah, this is full of mythical and historic items because they're made to be used as weapons. I mm-hmm. think that's a, that's a pretty fun concept. Speaking of old shit that they still have around. Uh-huh. It just occurred, what do they do with the Oracle's body? Is that still in the attic? Because Percy said he never went back up there. Uh. <laughs> they just leave that there? Surely not. Surely it's, like, actually rotting now. <laughs> uh, oh, God. I'm just imagining Chiron, like, <laughs> Chiron having to smell the stinking corpse all the time while dealing with fucking children saying, oh, I broke my knee, I broke my knee, or whatever. Chiron can't go up there and get it either. He's got horse legs. <laughs> Yeah. If everyone else refuses to go and touch it, he's fucked. Oh, he can't. He can't fucking <laughs> climb stairs. You're right. <laughs> Holy shit. Also, I meant scraped my knee, but I said broke my knee. If you break your knee, feel free to go to the, the camp counselor. That's pretty bad. You fucking whiners. <laughs> 
just the, the most important joint of your body get over it this is the advantage of uh, mr d being gone because he would react like that god yeah oh man I want to see Dionysus so badly. Yeah, I feel like we, we got a taste in the musical of one of the greatest characters in the series, and we realized how much we miss him. If I could and not get copyright struck, I'd just use that song as our intro and outro. God. Like, Camp Half-Blood where everything is awful. That's just a great intro to this. <laughs> God, I mean, we could try and, like, I don't know, put it through a MIDI or something. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Dionysus oh. again. What do we think about Wilderness School? Because we don't get a lot of time with it, but this is kind of like, I feel like it's kind of the last type of school that we haven't really seen in Percy Jackson. Yeah, I feel like this is this is Rick Ryden taking his fucked up school that the person goes to to like its logical extreme. It's basically like a boarding school for kids who have done illegal shit. Like it seems like the kind mm-hmm. of place that like if you were in the movie Holes, and they were like, well, you can either <laughs> go to this. You can either go to the uh, do a little bit of jail time, or you can go to go to camp. And I'm like, oh, I've never been to camp before. And then you get sent to wilderness school. Yeah, it seems like one step above juvie. Basically, um, do we know what Leo's in for? I don't think we do. I mean, we get we get the sense that he's kind of a little bit of a trickster because he fucks around with Mister Hedge's um, megaphone so that it plays like uh, barnyard animal facts. Uh-huh, and, and uh, Star Wars voice clips. <laughs> it I is it is was. very funny when, like, the, the balcony is collapsing and Mr. and Coach Hedge is, like, yelling at everyone to, like, get back to the uh, to the door so they don't fall into the canyon and die. And his megaphone is just going, the cow goes, moo. It's really good. I like how straightforward just Coach Hedge just admits to Jason, like, yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm a satyr, I'm here to find can- half-bloods. He seems bloods. so old and so sick of this shit, like, he must have done this so many times, and he's he's realized it's not worth beating around the bush. This is what Grover is gonna turn into in 40 years. <laughs> Do you think he's in Grover's cult? Oh! Well, he was. Or is, is, he, is he even a cult anymore? Is Grover, like, did he just take over and become, like, the dominant satyr religion? Like, he is, he is Pan now. That'd be interesting. I, like, I want to know what the factions of Percy Jackson have been up to. Like, the weird, like, like, the, the cult of Grover. And the, I want to, I especially want to know what's going on with the Hunters of Artemis. Yeah, definitely. Because we, th- that, like, interfaction politicking was one of the really nice little bits of, like, world-building flavor we got in Percy Jackson. Which... Somehow we got more of in King Chronicles because of the different magician factions, but it was somehow worse. Somehow. Sometimes <laughs> it was good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, we have anything else we want to cover before we wrap it up here? Uh, Piper should have gotten a shotgun. One of the options that Annabeth presents her with is you can have a shotgun that fires celestial bronze pellets, and we were fucking robbed. God, no, that would have ruled. <laughs> like, I, was like, I didn't realize. No, when she put it down. <laughs> like,. We could have had the end of Percy Jackson on the light and not per- fucking when am I British now? We could have had lightning thief ending <laughs> and just like with Ares and Percy doing the shotgun fight, but actually have have had it be shotguns. I just I want. Yeah, I want like Piper to do a boss fight against Ares or something. She's jumping around like the fucking doom guy with a shotgun. I need the FPS game of Percy Jackson. <laughs> uh, I think that I think that'll do it for us today, though. I think so. I, I'm I'm super looking forward to the rest of this book. This is awesome so far. I hope it doesn't suck by the end. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's it's a very promising start. It's also weird how much it puts everything in the Kane Chronicles into perspective. It's 
Listen, it's too early for me to make this call definitively, but my theory that Rick was just knocking those out as fast as he could while he focused on Heroes of Olympus is looking pretty vindicated so far, I would say. Well, not only that, but there are a lot of things here that are like things that also happen in the Kane Chronicles, but because this book has the support of having five books before it and Mm -hmm. the Kane Chronicles doesn't, like... Jason is also constantly being, and, and Piper as well, are also being constantly being told, like, oh, we'll explain this to you later. There's this thing going on. And that's not annoying here because we, the reader, basically know what's going on or can at least infer things or guess. Um, at the beginning of the Kane Chronicles, we can't guess shit. And so it's just annoying. I would also say that it takes until, like, chapter 10 in Kane Chronicles to get to, like, the first gnome and get, like, anything explained to them. Uh, and Annabeth is taking Piper on a tour of the camp and explaining the basics in chapter three. Yeah, I was not expecting it to be so fast, and I really appreciate it. I also just realized Annabeth is, I guess, just the person who does camp tours, because I'm pretty sure she showed Percy around in Lightning Thief Yeah, well. I think so. And every time she's just kind of checked out and thinking about something else. Uh-huh. She's <laughs> a really shitty tour guy. They should give that to someone else. <laughs> But yeah, uh, if you want to find us, you can check us out on Twitter at UnwiseGirls. Uh, there you can find our links to our Discord server, our email, our Patreon. If you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash UnwiseGirls. For a dollar a month, you get the role of, ooh. Uh, oh, fuck, we need to change these. What the fuck was our original $1 one? Uh, as camp counselor, I think. A uh, camp counselor, that, that still fits, I think. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but you get the role of camp counselor in our Discord server. For three dollars a month, you get the role of ooh, was this one the Dionysus one? Friend of Dionysus. Should we still go with that, or should we do like friend of Bacchus? Oh yeah, I guess so. Friend, friend of Bacchus. Sure, we'll we'll think about it. Uh, and all of our bonus content. Uh, yeah, we we do a weekly bonus podcast. Uh, last week I was uh, just a real fucking shithead to Jacqueline. I did the worst thing that you can do to a friend. Uh, I made her watch an episode of Chibnall Run Doctor Who. Uh-huh. <laughs> Culminating <It> was... <laughs> our our long series of Jane telling me about how bad it is. And yet somehow you were still surprised. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. We also talk about, like, Batman shit. I don't know. We've talked about Batman or Batman-related shit for, like, the past five episodes. Oh, and Homestuck. Oh, uh, Homestuck. Uh, Homestuck, too. We do uh, Act 6, Act 3 in the beginning. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the role of, I guess, Venus's Chosen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also get all of your bonus content and a special thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye.